Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Merry Christmas and welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Schoenemann alongside Pete Robertson. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, this has been a long coming. I can't believe we're even recording. It's How are you doing, Pete? I'm doing good. It's all good. Yeah. You know, everything happens for a reason. I believe that. It's over oh, back in the studio today. Last I, week I we were, know. Last week we were, what, five, six hundred miles apart? And so because we're back in the studio, the, the whole studio network was all weird. Oh, from... you're going to give them the behind the scenes. Oh, huh? yeah. It was kind of fun. Our executive producer is a little on edge. Yeah. But... She's amazing. She's diligently been working all day to get all these technical errors. It's been a fun. Uh, corrected. It's been fun. So, I think they're gremlins, right? It's maybe. It, maybe. There is a lot that goes the into. Enemy me. doesn't want us to do the oh, show. I, I know. I got pumped for the show too. That could be it. Yeah, but it was excited? been fun. Yeah. You excited about Christmas? Yeah, I am. I was excited about what happened last week. We to went to talk, yeah. Let's hear about your trip. So I mean, we did the show. We were in Gatlinburg. So anybody that watched last week's show, we were in Gatlinburg. We did Pigeon Forge. Then we did some back hills, you know, back country, Tennessee. It was really cool. We saw a bunch of outhouses and, you know, beating down. So hiking through the woods, yeah, going yeah. potty in the woods. I, I was telling Christy, that's my people, right? Because my dad was from that type, that part of the town, you know, and he had an outhouse. Dun, 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 so that was kind of fun. Dun, dun, dun. But from there, we went to Asheville, North Carolina. We met up with uh, uh, a team from Natural Discipleship, the organization I work with. And we got to see the Biltmore that was there. That's really cool. We saw uh, the Cove where Billy Graham's... You know, the Cove where they all meet, all the, you know, the training center that's there. That was really cool. In Charlotte and or outside of Charlotte? That's in Asheville. Okay. Yeah, I've never a, been there. And that's in Samaritan's Purse is close to that, which really? is up in Boone. Yeah. So Boone. I know where Boone is. Yeah. So it's it's close to but Asheville. I've never been to the Cove. I've been to Asheville and I've been to Boone, but I've never heard yeah, of the Yeah, the Cove is there. So when we were there that night, we missed it. We didn't get to go. Uh, Fernando Ortega was in town. And so he was just doing a Christmas special. And anybody that knows Fernando Ortega is unbelievable. He has some of the best worship songs and just unbelievable Christmas album. But he was there and they have like all big names that come there. I mean, it's it's constant. It's always free. You can always go. You just have to register ahead of time. Um, they have like major trainings going on. So like they'll have a whole weekend with a dissect things, apologetics and just it's a constant training thing and they bring in big speakers oh and so you have big pastors that are there all the big worship people chris omlins i mean you name it fernando ortegas they just come and so that's popular, the cove. popular pastors uh, big time it's they're <laughs> within the context of their their creed um you know what they believe why they believe it so that's that's that but anyway so it was awesome and then from there we went to billy graham uh library um down in um charlotte outside of charlotte and then we went to we came on the way home we stopped in uh what was that called savannah did you get some seafood savannah georgia no you know i don't know if i did seafood sometimes we do i don't eat too much good chips maybe one of the places that's like england that's not savannah so good why savannah has a lot of fish yeah they've got a lot of shrimp i think it's a big big strawberry yeah there was a lot of shrimp there but it was fun it's beautiful it's old you know french french kind of quarters kind of feel new orleans we would be. yeah it was nice i mean it was nice got a little bit of history saw john wesley was there and preached there um the lady was bagging on john wesley i was giving us this tour i was like why she goes because well, he's his sermons were three hours long she said and she goes everybody was like geez when's he gonna do it? but back in those days they didn't have to get home for the nfl Back in those days, though, people just talked for a longer time. What do you say those days? Maybe everybody doesn't know who John well, Wesley is. You want to just give it like a time frame. 
16, 1700s, but, but you got to remember John Wesley or 1800s, I don't know, later, it was before any of us were alive, but just, just Google it. He was, well, yeah, but he, I mean, I've been to his in Bristol. I've been to his church in Bristol, England. Um, and then him and his brother, his brother single-handedly has written most of our hymns that we sing. Um, and he would, he was the, the founder of Methodist church. So, you know, and I have his creed. I, I, when I was there in Bristol, England, I bought one of this little blue booklet of what he believes, why he believes it. It was just phenomenal. Read through it a few times. Um, I have it on my bookshelf. You should read it. It's really good. Um, I like yeah. to read. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, so that's what we did. It was an awesome time. And then you stayed home. I did. I'm getting ready to leave. And you're leaving. So I'm leaving in the morning and headed up to Virginia for for Christmas, see yeah. the in-laws and uh, have a great time. Maybe yeah. maybe see some snow. Sammy's excited when she's she's rooting for snow. But man, is it going to be cold? They're well, talking like teens. Yeah, I'm not used to that. We were some places we were like in the high 20s and early, early 30s, high 20s and low 30s. <laughs> And it was nice to be able to put double jacket on and and you were camping, so you were like in a tent. No, we didn't do that. That's what my daughter's doing. <laughs> you guys pray for my daughter. The last week of December, she's going on a tenting thing by herself in the freezing weather, and I don't know what she's thinking. Everybody knows about it now, so they if they see her, go ahead and say something to her. Say your dad said, bring her a cup of coffee or something, hot chocolate, something to warm her up. She's gonna freeze her tail off. Oh, it's hilarious. But so yeah, we got that going on. Bowl season's going on. Yep. I think uh well, we're it's Tuesday. I think Liberty plays tonight. Oh. So by the time this airs, we'll, Barry's, we'll already know. Barry's probably watching. He said he might go down to the game. So where is it playing at? Um, Boca. Oh, it is down Boca in Boca. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, he asked me if I wanted to go and I, oh. I was like, I I, yeah, I can't. I got yeah. podcasts and got the leaving first thing in the morning. Oh, yeah. I just can't do it. Yeah, so like I felt I felt bad, but um yeah. Little bit, little bit. It's a night game too. It's like seven thirty tonight, I think. Oh yeah, you would. It would be like going to a. Um, and no good. It'd be like going to a concert on the night before you leave and Not you get wise. home really late. Not wise. And then you have to get up at five a.m. So are you done Christmas shopping? You got everything ready, <laughs> we wrapped, we, ready to go. We haven't started yet. Well, you got Not, plenty of time. Never. What is today? The twentieth. <clears throat> we looked on winter Amazon. starts tomorrow. We well, we did do something for our son, so we got something to him. We just sent it through Amazon, so. So that we were looking to see if anything's going to deliver. So Amazon is the new Santa. We're not going to be doing anything big, you know, just little things. Yeah. Nothing, nothing major. I mean, it's that was when my kids were young. And well, I tell you what I got my wife, but she might listen to it before Christmas. So oh, yes. Yeah, I, so I can't don't. say anything. <laughs> we, it, would, it would mess up the secret. Do we ever. So the way that we buy each other gifts is, oh, I like that. OK, get it. Now let's wrap it. <laughs> don't wrap give it. it. <laughs> well, that's what that's what I'm doing. I, I like here, wrap this up for me. Yeah, this is what I want. We don't do. We don't like. We don't buy like uh, like friends of ours. This that we they buy other gifts. And they don't tell each other and all that. Where Christy and I have never done that. It's like, yeah, I like that. Okay, we'll get it. Well, let's wrap it. We'll send it, put it on the tree. And so we have stuff that we've been wanting to open that we've gotten that we haven't done it because we're saying no. Let's just wait for Christmas. We'll act surprised when we get it. So. Our kids don't know that we do that. So this is your first Christmas as a grandpa. Are you excited about that? I'm excited. You know what it's going to be though. What? Next Christmas is going to be the fun one because yeah. she's too small. She yeah. doesn't. You know, she's yeah, well, five weeks old. She what we're buying her for Christmas this year is diapers. Yeah, that's good. Necessities. That's that's a really good idea. She has but next year. I, uh, it'll be fun, and then the year after that, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'll be. Yeah, we're going. Um, 
we're going on a cruise with him next year so it'd be kind awesome. of fun yeah it'd be nice to i like i like cruising yeah you do been on a few it's awesome it's awesome all right you ready to get started let's do it all right let's open up in prayer right. and, uh, and we are going to just uh this dive is, into the christmas this, story some i mean more. this show literally has pumped me up so i'm excited if you guys hear this tell I me mean, share it with your friend it's I mean, true if you're watching on youtube you can this is hair standing up I is mean, it really? it's, it's poofy he's got poofy hair today i need i seriously need a haircut <laughs> yeah me too. but i mean i'm really excited about this show so let's awesome let's all right here. heavenly father we just thank you for this time that we have with our listeners i ask that you would just bless them if they're driving i said you would keep them safe lord uh i just pray that uh, you would come through loud and clear on this show today lord as we just talk about the, these events around christmas and and we're just so grateful for you we thank you for your servant matthew has documented this this story for us as we we dive in and, and kind of break it down lord and uh, and i just pray that uh, everything we say and do today would bring you glory yeah. love you we thank you in jesus name amen amen yeah we're starting this so normally the way that we do our shows is we have a lot of time before prep time we pray and then we go and then we're on it we had extra time today so today we got <laughs> extended time so so hopefully we still got what we talked about so it's let's go all good for it. as long as the holy spirit takes over that's we're good it. that's it all right. So we're going to read. Uh, we've been reading in Matthew over the last two weeks. We uncovered a couple of facts related to Jesus's qualifications to be king. The first qualification was Matthew proving that Jesus's gene genealogy, both from Joseph and from Mary, gave him the right to David's throne. But he, meaning Matthew, uh, knew that that would not be enough because there were there were other men that could also make this claim. Yeah, well, we say, well, how do we know that he knew he thought that? Well, because he gave more clues. He didn't just stop there. He could have just stopped there and said, hey, that's it. Yeah. But there was so much more to the story. And so Matthew wanted to detail that. Excellent. Yeah. Lots of detail. So then um, in last week's show, we unpacked Jesus's divine heredity and how that alone separated uh, Jesus from all others. From there, we talked about the Magi paying Jesus homage and how that also proves his kingship. Yeah, I think that was last week's show. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that was, right. okay. yeah, it was really good. You I are mean, off your game. You yeah, I just gotta remember what days of what <laughs> because we were traveling and that's stuff. Right. So I was all. Oh, that's right. We weren't in the same room together, right. even though we talked about it. Right. That's awesome. Well, today we're gonna jump back into Matthew. We're gonna read uh, chapter two, verses thirteen through eighteen, and uncover the hostility that was beginning to come against Jesus. And then finish up with Matthew chapter two, verses 19 through 23, and talk about the humility of a king. Yeah, you know, I, when you say hostility, it's like Jesus, from the day he was born until he died, he was always in hostility. I mean, there was, there was nonstop people wanting to kill him. Yeah, it's like the world didn't like God coming yeah. to earth. I mean, we don't get anything in the Bible about his childhood, really. You know, when he was at the temple that one time, praying and doing his father's business, but we don't really get much. No. But I'm... But I'm pretty certain that Satan did not let up. I'm sure he probably had a pretty rough childhood. I, I think mean, he got picked on at school. I'm sure there's a lot of things that took place that we just don't know about. But I mean, from the very beginning, there was an opposition. And I believe that's the same thing with us as a, as a believer. The minute that we bend our knee to Jesus, I believe that the opposition is against you. And I believe that he is out to kill you, rob you and destroy you, and whatever it is. It would be fascinating to learn about his childhood. Yeah, I know. I mean, obviously, he didn't think it, you know, didn't want us to have it, but unless there's like gospel Pete somewhere and we I'm, didn't, we didn't get. Well, I'm wondering if if he didn't even tell his his disciples because what they knew him of the older age, right? They didn't know him in the younger age. Maybe they did, but they I didn't don't know. share it. 
they well, at least something like John it. didn't share it. Yeah. Matthew didn't share it. Nope. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah. This, All right. right let's, let's jump into it. Let's do it. So we're going to be what? So um, chapter two, verse 13. Yeah. Okay. And we are reading out of the EFV. Yeah. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. And this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I call my son. Verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. He sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled, wait, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, is that right, Ramah? Yeah. Yeah. Weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Yeah, that's fascinating. We're going to get into that last. That's a that's a Jeremiah prophecy that right there at the end. And so when I read that the first time, I was like, wait, why in the world would that be there? You know, I mean, let me just read it again. I mean, this 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 verse just makes real little this is out sense. Of Jer- out of Jeremiah, or you- yeah, yeah. So it says a voice was heard. So this is chapter. This verse is verse 18. seventeen or eighteen. Yeah. yeah, a voice was heard in Rama. Weeping and loud lamentations, Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because there are no more. Mm. So when you read that straight up, most people would probably read that and go, oh, whatever that means, and then go on to the next verse. Just move on. Yeah. We can't do that here. Yeah. We're going to have to. That's not the right. No, we're going to have We're going to actually break that (laughs) down for people. But let's just go into it and we'll get to that. All right. Let's start out here. Matthew knew that a person is identified not only by his friends, but also by his enemies. Herod pretended that he wanted. Remember, he was like, oh, yeah, let me know so I can come worship the boy. Yeah. Herod pretended that he wanted to worship the newborn king when in reality he wanted to destroy him. Yeah, God warned Joseph to take the child and marry and flee to Egypt. So, I mean, he must have either it was an angel or a person or someone came to him and warned him. So Egypt was close, but far enough away from Herod. So he was outside of his district or his reach at that time. There were many Jews in Egypt and the treasures that were received from the Magi, I would guess that would have paid for the expenses and traveling and living there. Um, but it also fulfilled another prophecy in Isaiah <clears throat> Sorry, in Hosea 11.1 says where it says, I called my son out of Egypt. So what you're going to hear from us today as we start diving into this is we're going to talk about a lot of prophecy. And uh, we're going to actually prove or show what Matthew was doing. There's nothing by mistake in everything that he was written here. Even that last last verse that we just talked about, the prophecy of Jeremiah. We're going to get into that and we're going to kind of open that up. But there's nothing. So this so Jesus' birth, you guys, was a big deal, okay? So we're talking about the birth of Christ. It was a big deal. And so we're going to kind of showcase that big deal. But um, Jeremiah 25, 4 says, And the Lord has sent to you all his servants, the prophets, again and again. But you have not listened nor inclined your ear to hear, saying, Turn now everyone from his evil way and the evil of your deeds and dwell in the land which the Lord has given you to and the forefathers forever and ever and do not go after the other gods to serve them and to worship them and do not provoke me to anger with the works of your hands and I do and I will do you no harm and I'm not sure why I wrote that it may come back to you 
Yeah, maybe I wanted to talk to do with- just hit on Hosea 11 yeah. one real quick. Yeah. You were talking about that. You know, I wonder if if the religious leaders of the time when they were reading because they had this before Jesus came. This is Old Testament, right? Yeah. When they read, I called my son out of Egypt. I wonder if they're like, they they, pro- they probably didn't get that. I mean, they probably like, oh, maybe he's talking about Moses or maybe he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, I you think know, that's some- what it was. Yeah. And so they they probably so kind of like in plain sight. You know, it's like, well, that's how all the prophecy is. Like, yeah. We, it, we we now see it more it's clearly hindsight. because it's hindsight. Right. And it's the same thing with revelations. It's the same thing with the prophecies that are going to come in the future. We can only maybe guess what's going to happen, but we really are not going to know for a fact until yeah. it actually is fulfilled. But yeah, let's move on and All right. figure Herod, out what I was doing. Herod's here. anger was evidence of his pride. <laughs> Anybody else have pride? I do. Yeah. He could not permit anyone to get the best of him. This led Herod to kill the baby boys that were two years of age and under who were still in Bethlehem. This is just awful. Yeah. This is awful. Can't believe this is even in the Bible. Oh, I remember what I was talking about on that first statement. The reason why I read that verse, it was talking about the warnings that God gives us. Um, We are, God warns us all the time. And so here's, here's Joseph being warned by an angel telling him that, hey, this is a big deal. I need you to be obedient here and listen to it. And and I think it's the same thing with us, because if God warns you or you're spending quiet time with him, you're at church, you're listening on the radio, um, you're at a friend's house or something, and God speaks through that person to you, or you're reading your Bible and you're spending time in prayer or whatever, and God presses upon you something, <clears throat> and it's a warning. Maybe he says, hey, stop doing what you're doing. Or you need to leave that relationship, or you need to leave that job, or you need to change, or whatever that is. If you know, Joseph could have not not heeded to that warning, and there would have been grave consequences. Sure. And I think that's the same thing with us. And I think that's kind of where I was getting that. He warned the Israelites all the time. And then he always told them, if you don't do this, there's going to be consequences. And we know the story. We know it from hindsight. And it's even happening today. There's consequences. So if God is warning you like you warned them, that's kind of where I was going at with that. And then back to this point, we're talking about the Herod's pride and anger. This isn't, you know, I wanted to kind of clarify this. Not Let's not talk about the pride real quick, but let's just talk about, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about, well, why would he kill, you know, we look at it as abortion. Anytime you're killing a baby, it's to us, it's aborting. And so this is kind of, you know, back then it was a big deal. People killed babies all the time, but he's not going and slaughtering, you know, hundreds of babies. It's, this is a very small Bethel, Bethlehem is very small village, right? There's maybe at most 20 males, you know, it's not this big, huge thing, but again, any, any birth, any death or any killing or anything is not okay, right? And so that's our stance. That's the way we look at it. We believe, you know, we're we're again, we're talking from an abortion standpoint or a murder or anything. We that's how we see it. The reason why you don't want the baby in there most likely is because you don't want to take care of it. I mean, baby's a lot of work. I'm watching my daughter right now take care of a baby. Yeah. You know, I asked her how she slept last night. Not well. There's a lot of effort, a lot of it. You know, the baby's crying and the baby needs burp. The baby's you know fed or whatever. There's a lot of effort, and a lot of people just don't want to deal with it. You know, oh my God, I didn't want to get pregnant right now. It's not a time in my life. It's whatever. Most of the times abortions are that way. And, 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 you know, that's the way we see it. And it doesn't mean we're not in all abortions that way. We're not saying there's not complications. We're not saying any of that. We're just saying in general, if people are honest with themselves, that's that. Well, he's killing these babies for selfish reasons. It's the exact same thing. He's killing them because he doesn't want to have a threat to his yeah, it's rulership. It's inconvenient for him. 
So, but it, so it's his pride that's ruling him. And that's kind of where we're going. So Proverbs 11, two says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And, and I think anytime we're killing something or whatever, we're claiming to be God that we know best. And so it was my mistake. So I'm going to make my mistake even worse and I'm going to kill something. So that's kind of the pride of it. Um, Proverbs 16, five says the Lord detest all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will, they will not go unpunished. And then Proverbs eleven eighteen, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So anytime that we take ownership of something and control something, that's pride. Anytime that we are the, in the driver's seat is pride. Anytime that we think we're something, it is pride. Anytime we control something, it is pride. J.C. Ryle said, let us walk against pride in every shape, pride of intellect, pride of wealth, pride of uh, pride in our own goodness, pride in our own deserts. Nothing is so likely to keep a man out of heaven and prevent him from seeing Christ as pride. So long as we think we are something, we shall never be saved. And so, I mean, that's pretty much says it. it wow. Pride is pretty a big deal. But Blaze Pasco, she was the, she was a, I believe she was the, I think she's the one that invented statistics back in, um, if I remember right. What's her name again? Blaze? Blaze Pasco. I believe she invented oh. back in the 1600s, 1700s or something like that. Knowing God without knowing our wretchedness makes for pride. Knowing our own wretchedness without knowing God makes for despair. Knowing Jesus Christ strikes the balance because he shows us both God and our own wretchedness. So again, wow. amen. so Jesus is, what is he doing? Jesus is born. He's showing the wretchedness of above Herod's pride. It's the same thing with us. Because of Jesus's birth, we can now see our wretchedness. We can now see what he did, what he accomplished. He was fully man and fully God. And, and, and by him doing that, we now are able to see when we compare ourselves to him, mm. our wretchedness. And that's what's happening here in that area. So, all right, let's go on. All right. I wanted to spend a little time on pride. Yeah, it's a big good. deal. Yeah. What we see in these verses in Matthew is uh, Matthew is introducing us to the theme of hostility, which we talked about earlier. He focuses on it throughout his book. Satan is a liar and a murderer, as was King Herod. Yeah, call it what it is. Let's just not beat around a bush. That's what it was. All right. So he lied to the Magi and murdered the babies. But even this horrendous crime of murder was the fulfillment of prophecy found in Jeremiah 31. 15. It says this. It says, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentations and bitter weeping. This is the verse that we talked about. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. In order to understand this fulfillment, we must better understand Jewish history. So here we are. Let's go ahead and break this down. Let's talk about it in depth because it's a big deal. And, and we need to understand, you know, this, this um, Bethlehem and this verse in context. So, all right, let's go for it. Okay. The first mention of Bethlehem in scripture is in connection with the death of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. You can see that in Genesis 35, 16 through 20. We, we know it's his favorite wife because it says it. So Yeah, it's pretty clear. We're right? not just saying <laughs> we're this. We're not being it up. No. Right. Rachel died giving birth to a son who she named Benoni, son of my sorrow. Benoni. Ben, ben, Benoni? Yeah. yeah, my Hebrew is not great. It's all right. So I'm working on it. All right. Jacob then renamed his son Benjamin, that I can, son of my right hand. Both of the, and you guys, I mean, you remember this story yeah. back in Genesis. And yeah. both of these names relate to Jesus, for he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, Isaiah 53, 3. And he is now the son of God's right hand, Acts 5, 31. With all of this said, Jacob 
put a pillar to mark Rachel's grave near Bethlehem. All right. So what he's basically, let me just give it a really brief connection. So Bethlehem first, we, a lot of times we, we, we look back in the Bible when, when a, um, when something first appears, we ask the question, why is Matthew putting this in here? Right? So he's putting this in here and he's telling his readers, he's saying, listen, you need to understand context here. You have to understand the Old Testament in order to understand what I'm trying to say. So what he's trying to say is that Bethlehem first appeared with Jacob and Rachel. That's a big deal. Rachel was buried there. Rachel, as they were looking at it from a perspective that they're going into captivity, it's a bad time, right? It's, 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 there's mourning, there's weeping, there's she, the death of Israel is happening. You see that? That's that's kind of where it's going at. So Jeremiah's this, uh, prophecy was given about 600 years before Christ was born. It grew out of the captivity of, captivity of Jerusalem. Some of the captives were taken to Ramah in Beth Benjamin, Benjamin near Jerusalem and remain, reminded Jeremiah of Jacob's sorrow when Rachel died. However, now it was Rachel who was weeping. She represented the mothers of Israel weeping as they saw their sons going into captivity. It was as though Rachel said, I gave my life to bear a son, and now his descendants are no more. Hmm. Okay, so let's let's now let's just keep following that logic and let's fast forward and let's just kind of unpack this a little bit more to see well, well how does Jesus relate to this? How is this a big deal? So let's go on. That's good. Jacob saw Bethlehem as a place of death, but the birth of Jesus made it a place of life. Because of his coming, there would be spiritual deliverance for Israel, and in the future, the establishment of David's throne and kingdom. Israel, the son of my sorrow, would one day become the son of my right hand. Right. So in this prophecy, Jeremiah gave a promise to the nation that they would be restored to the land again, and this promise was then fulfilled when Jesus was born. But by he, but he gave an even greater promise that the nation would be regathered in the future and the kingdom reestablished in Jeremiah 31, 27. Then remember they became a nation again in 1948. But Israel, this is yeah. but this is even talking about a new kingdom, a new heaven and a new earth. And that will happen, we know, in the future. So again, let's just keep unpacking this, but this is a big deal. So we're saying now that, you know, why would Matthew put this? Well, Matthew's saying that, hey, when they went into captivity, that was a death of Israel, basically. It was it was the, the wailing and the weeping or whatever. But with Jesus's birth, it's like new life. It's exciting. It's that that place is now no longer there. Now, you know, the prophecy is being fulfilled. Now he's bringing life back into Israel. That's kind of what he's trying to say. But like, let's unpack it a little bit more. Yeah. It's it, You can't take a weird verse like that and just not look at it. We have to get it in context. Everything right? does happen for a reason. Yeah. All right. Very few people today think of Bethlehem as a burial place. They think of it as the birthplace of Jesus. Bethlehem is a much bigger story than what most people realize. And because Jesus died for us and rose again, we have a bright future before us. Without the new life in Bethlehem, we cannot have our new life that leads to eternal life. Yeah. So, so I think Matthew, so Matthew is like sitting here. I mean, it's like the, all the, the apostles when they were writing, I, I think it's like, I, I feel like, you know, with Paul for sure, it's like all of a sudden they have all this study. They know all of the, you know, all the prophecies, they know all the scripture. And all of a sudden it's like, once Jesus died and rose again, it's like a flood of all, oh my gosh, that's what that means. Oh my gosh, that's what that means. Oh my gosh. And so this is Matthew saying, oh my gosh, that's what that means. Now it all makes sense. It's, he's like, oh my gosh, you know, and he want to share it with us. If we're just reading it now, we're like, what are you talking about? Right. 
but I get it. And so this is like Matthew saying, listen, Jesus brought new life. Jesus, the birth of Christ is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Jeremiah saw it way back. Matthew has seen it as the fulfillment. And now the death that happened in, ben in, in Bethlehem is now life. And it's now eternal life for us who believe. You know, and one day you were going to be with Jesus where there is no more tears and no more pain and no more suffering. And that is happening one day. And so because of the birth, because of Bethlehem, because of that fulfillment of that prophecy, we now have the opportunity to have eternal life, not just life here and liberty here on earth, but also eternal life for all, for all eternity. So Bethlehem is a big deal. So we, it's a prophecy we know in Micah where it says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. We got that. Well, here's Jeremiah. Here's another prophecy that Matthew's talking about that most people probably don't ever go into context to learn. Right. That's being fulfilled. It's a big deal. And so we need to understand that, that it's been talked about for some time. So, all right, let's move on to our next transition. All right. So um, let's continue on in Matthew. We're still in chapter two, but we're down in verse 19 now. Yeah. Um, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph while he was in Egypt or in Egypt, saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are, are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Arche Archelaus yeah. was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Yeah, so what we're going to touch on a lot now is that last part. So we're going to get to that. We're going to unpack. To, why would Matthew bring this in? Why is Matthew bringing in that he would be called a Nazarene? What is he talking about? Really? Why is that a big deal? Why, why is he putting emphasis on that? I mean, I yeah. think a lot of people that read that were pretty like, oh, I, I don't know. I mean, well, well, yeah, because he was in, he went to Nazareth. Well, that's not the emphasis he's being put on here, though. He's making it like, hey, this is a big deal. Where's Matthew going with that? And so that's kind of, yeah, we get that, you know, Herod's this mad king and Archelaus and all of this and the Lord spoke. And we've heard these stories, people, forever. If you've been to church on Easter and, and Christmas, you've heard these stories. So we're just kind of looking, let's look at it a little bit deeper. Let's look at it a little bit more of a, with a, you know, deeper lens mm -hmm. and let's unpack what is Matthew talking about? So, all right, let's get into it. So this is kind of the second part of our title too, the humility of the king. Yeah. And who is it that said, uh, was it, was it Philip? No, it wasn't Philip that said what, what good could come from Nazareth. It was um, oh, yeah. Nathaniel. One of them. Yeah. I think it was Nathaniel. Probably one of them. Yeah. When yeah. Philip came to Nathaniel, yeah. I think Nathaniel said that. So anyway, statement seven, Herod died in four BC. This is historical fact. We know this. Yes. Which means that Jesus was born sometime between five and six BC. Yep. It is impossible not to notice the parallel between Matthew 2.20 and Exodus 4.19, the call of Moses. The Lord said to Moses and Midian, go back to Egypt for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. It's the reverse. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is kind of funny. But, you know, the, back in the days when we did the BC, you put, you made it 5 and 6 BC, but that's how they did it. So 6, 5, 4, yeah, 3, 2, 1. That's just how they did it. So yeah. it's like when you're reading some of the dates in the Bible, you have to really pay attention. Wait, when was this done? You know, and because they do it differently than how we normally would read. Anyway, so all right. So Herod. So he's he died in 4 BC. Jesus, you know, a lot of people say, well, Jesus is like 33 years old when he died. Well, we don't know. Maybe according to this, he might have been, you know, a little bit older. 
maybe he was a little younger. We don't know, but he was in that range of 30 to 35 um, year. Jesus wasn't born at zero. Like a lot of people think, well, that started the whole thing. No, he was actually born before that. We know that because of what the Bible says. And we know that by historical facts that Herod did die in 4 BC. We know that for a fact. So now we have to, we take the facts and now we have to figure out, okay, what is the truth in it? Why do they think Jesus was 30? Because that's when rabbis would usually start teaching. At, Typically. At and that's what we were just saying. I mean, it's, it's, they follow the timeline based off of things that are said in the Bible. That's just kind of what they get. But as God's son, Jesus was in Egypt and was called out to go to Israel. Moses was outside Egypt hiding for his life. Remember that? Yeah. And so what was it? 40 years. Yep. He was like, I'm going to die. Right. So and he was called to return to Egypt. In both cases, God's program of redemption was involved. It took courage for Joseph and his family to leave Egypt. And it took courage for Moses to return to Egypt. And, and I wrote I'm talking about courage and coming from Billy Graham. I got so many quotes that were there. I just thought of this quote. It said, Billy Graham said, courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. So true. And I think we said that before. Yeah. I mean, we brought that up, but it's um, when the courage that Moses took was, remember, he fought it. Remember, he fought it. And he's like, ah, oh, I can't Find do this. Else. Right. Do this. Yeah. I can't speak and all that. But it, but the bottom line is he did it. The bottom line is he was obedient. The bottom line is that he was no longer empowered by himself. He was empowered by a supernatural power. And I believe the same thing happened here with, um, with Joseph is he, when he was, when he was, I think that he probably felt the presence of God. There was, you know, the angels, God tells us that we have angels that protect us. I'm sure there was just like a wall around him. And, and, and that's what happens when we're obedient. That's what happens when we're take courage for Jesus. It's, we're not, we're not, when God tells us to do something and we're listening to him and we're doing what the word of God says, we're not going in on our own. We're, it's, it, we're not going with our own power. That courage that we have is being obedient, but what happens is supernatural things take place. It's, it, you know, Paul tells us, I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. When we understand that, and we're not living in the flesh, we're not living by our own authority, but we're living by the authority of God, because if he says it, nothing could be against it. And so here's Joseph in, in, in both Moses, both saying, Lord, I'm going to be listened to you. In both cases, there was redemption. Jesus redeemed the whole world. Joseph, Moses redeemed Israel and he brought him out. God used man to do both. God uses us. I don't know why, but he uses us. And if we're obedient and God speaks to you, listen to him because great things are only going to come. Amen. All right. In verse 22, Ar I can't say his name. Archelaus? Archelaus? Yeah, that sounds good. I don't know. Yeah. Something's almost like a clause in there. Archelaus is mentioned. Uh, he's one of Herod's sons, and to him, Herod had willed the title of king. However, the Jews discovered that in spite of his promises of kindness, Archelaus was, <laughs> was as wicked as his father. So stop laughing at me. So history shows that they sent a delegation to Rome to protest his kingship. Augustus Caesar agreed with the Jews and made Archelaus a governor over half of his father's kingdom. So he didn't get, he didn't get the whole throne. He got half of the throne. You know, and, and again, it's, yeah, he got a little bit less than the whole thing. But it's it's like when people read this most of the time, it's like, oh, that's no big deal. But like, you know, it kind of is a big deal because 
you got to understand that Joseph during this time knows how crazy King Herod is. All right. He got, he probably seen it, you know, Herod's killing these babies, Herod's doing things and so forth. So I'm sure word got back. I mean, because there's probably, it's a route where people were coming yeah. back and forth from Israel that got back that, Hey, Archelaus is not, is not as good. He's probably just as news. bad. Yeah. It's all news. Yeah. But let me just kind of give you a little background of Archelaus. I think this will give a, get, kind of put it into perspective of what was going in Joseph's mind when he bothered his guy. When Herod had fallen ill, two popular teachers, we learned this from Josephus, which is a great historian. And we also learned this from historical facts that were uncovered of the Roman empire during that time. Okay. So this is where this is coming from. This is um, two popular teachers, Judas and Mattathias had incited their pupils to remove the golden eagle Herod placed in the entrance of the temple. So they thought that it was it was like worshiping another god because Herod put this big foreign golden thing up there and they wanted it removed. So here's the Herod. He's gone. Let's go ahead and talk to his son. He's going to be a new king and let's see what happens. Well, Archelaus, he killed, he, he burned them both alive right after that. For coming to him and yeah, making that request. It's, it's, written, it's in written history. He burned them both alive for doing that. So immediately, this guy's a madman. This guy's a little crazy, right? So um, they were burned for the request. That was in March 4 BC. So we have the actual date. Oh. It was in March 4 BC. And then a riot arose and Archelaus then killed 3,000 Jews after that on the Passover celebration. So because of that, burning those two, a riot picked up, people got upset during that time, and he killed 3,000 during Passover. The, then the unrest got, got him sent to Rome. Archelaus lost control, and the Roman governor, Sirius Publius Quinticillus Varius, had to intervene. So he brought up troops, okay? So he brought up troops to, to, to create order in the house, right? Well, what ended up happening is they crucified 2,000 more Jews during that time to create order. So Harry Archelaus ruled so badly that the Jews and Samaritans unitedly appealed to Rome to request that he should be disposed. In 6 BC, Archelaus was banished to Vienna in Gaul, and after a bloody revolt led by Judas and Galilean, Judea became a province of the Roman Empire. Achilles must have died around before 18 AD. Ancient source of the rule that King Archelaus was written by Flavius Josephus. So he, he was taken away from that. He was given some small little government ship. He no longer had. So here's, you know, Joseph was like, okay, do I go back? Do I not? Achilles is just as bad. I got to stay here. What do I do? And then the angel came to Jesus, I mean, Joseph at that time says, okay, it's time to go back. And so Joseph then went to Nazareth, which is where he was from. And um, we'll kind of get into that. So um, yeah, let's go on. All right. Yeah. So even this actually fulfilled prophecy. Yep. Once again, Matthew points out that every detail in the life of Jesus was foretold in the scriptures. It is important to note that Matthew did not refer to to only one prophet in Matthew 2, 23, but, nope. ins but instead says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. Plural. That's plural, yeah. Yep. Yeah, one scholar, Jane Barton Payne. So this is this is fascinating. We've talked about prophecy fulfillment before on the show, but he found that as many as 574 verses in the Old Testament somehow point and describe the reference of the coming Messiah. So, I mean, can you imagine doing that kind of work? I mean, I know we could put in messy verses on there's a lot of people that have done work man that's a lot of work so 574 but conservatively 
uh, Jesus fulfilled at least 324 prophecies as earthly ministry. That's conservatively. You've heard that whole thing. Oh, like yeah. The, the prophet, what are the chances of all like, that? Even happening? if it was like seven of those things, it, yeah. it's the, the odd astronomical. Yeah. yeah. So 300 is just, so just, it's impossible. It is. It's impossible. Yeah. And so Matthew knew that. Matthew, when he's writing this, I'm sure is thinking now, dude, this is like, he's fulfilling this prophecy and this one. And, I'm, and I can imagine Matthew, I'm just imagining if it happened to me. I mean, I, he's got to be giddy. I mean, he's probably sitting there going, okay. And all of a sudden, like, I'm telling you, all of these scriptures are coming to his mind. A light bulb goes off. It's like, oh my gosh, bro, this is one. Oh my gosh, this one's this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. He's like, I got to write all this, you know? And, and the same thing with Paul. I mean, when Paul's writing those letters, he's like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when Paul said the mystery was revealed, it's like, you know, the it's like all of them were seeing this and they're like, this is unbelievable. What are the chances of this taking place? How in the world? This is impossible. This He's got to be God. He's got to be who he says that he is. We have to believe in him. People, listen, listen. The birth of Jesus is a big deal. The death and resurrection of Jesus is a big deal. You got to listen to him. Yeah. And that's kind of the passion I see here. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we go to church. Yeah, let's open our Bibles. You know, let's go and oh, I gotta serve God today. Oh my gosh, my life's so uh, hard. And and it's God like, oh my us. gosh, he brings forgive you us. life and liberty, he brings you joy, he brings you peace, he takes care of everything. The birth of Jesus is huge. Yep. We need to be excited, we need to wake up in the morning and say, Oh my gosh, I get to read my Bible, learn more about the prophecy, learn more about this Jesus. Yeah, that's that's I mean, it's I understand we all have like chemical imbalances some of us and i know that some of us are dealing with depression and i know some of us deal with like you know lack of sleep or lack of food or lack of anything and that makes us groggy or whatever we really put this to perspective we really as followers of christ really need to have joy we should be the happiest people Amen. on the planet and and we should we should not be in each other's presence and not have joy and if we are shame on us Shame on us for not understanding this. Just as mm. Jesus fulfilled 324 prophecies, which is utterly impossible. Yep. We just read that just he, now. He is it's God. utterly impossible. So let's get excited about this, that he has chosen you. He has chosen me to be his sons and daughters. That's incredible. He could have not, but he did. And now we are chosen. We are set apart for this such a time as this to proclaim his glory, to teach his word, to share his truth with a dying world that is in desperate need of a savior. Oh, Pete's passionate in the afternoon. I like it. It's, it's not just that. It's like, I so think good. I'm too boring sometimes. So good. And I think we need to find something in us to just get lit for Jesus. Amen. I don't know. All right. We will not find any specific. No, that's that's awesome. We will not find any specific prophecy that calls Jesus a Nazarene. The term Nazarene was one of reproach. We talked about that a yeah. little bit. John one forty six says, "Can there? Oh, here it is. Yeah. Can there be anything good come out of Nazareth?" In many Old Testament prophecies, the Messiah's lowly life of rejection is mentioned, and this may be what Matthew had in mind. Okay, so I said maybe because I'm not going to say dogmatically this is what he was thinking. I have to question what he was thinking because that doesn't make any sense to me. So we had to do some research on this. We had to actually ask the question, well, where do we find this word that's in the Hebrew and how is it spelled? Okay. And how does it equate to Nazareth? So why is, why is Matthew doing that? And so this is kind of where we came. So Isaiah 53, two for three, you want to go ahead and read that. 
And, and yeah. it kind of shares a little bit of this Nazareth. And let's just try to build context here. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that would that we should desire him. He was despised, objected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Yeah, and then, and then so again, that's a prophecy of Jesus. So he didn't have beauty, he didn't have majesty. You know, you know, you know, Matthew understood that, hey, the, he wasn't this royalty king. He wasn't this real big popular guy. He wasn't beautiful. He wasn't, you know, he didn't come in his pomp like like Aladdin, you know, right. he didn't come like that. Just came as a normal person. But Isaiah 53, 8 kind of talks about this as well. That's a great scene, by the way. Yeah. Aladdin. Yeah. All right. 53, 8, Isaiah, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yeah. Who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. So Jesus does this is again talking about the Messiah. Yep. Okay. So it's 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 setting up. Isaiah is setting up, and and now we know that Nazareth, because of what it was said, does anything good come in Nazareth? And so Jesus was born in Bethlehem in a manger. He didn't come in pomp, he didn't mm -hmm. come in all this, and he lives in Nazareth. Okay. So what is why is Matthew making this a big deal? Why is Matthew bringing this up? Right. And then we know that the verses, we know that, okay, so Nazareth is not a good thing. We know that the Bible talks about that he was oppressed, that he didn't have this good looks. He didn't have all of these fame that a normal king would have. So we get that. So that's kind of the background here. That's context that we're seeing. The term Nazarene was applied both to Jesus and his followers, and he was often called Jesus of Nazareth. We know that. Okay, but perhaps Matthew, led by the Holy Spirit, saw a spiritual connection between the name Nazarene and the Hebrew word Nazar, which means a branch or a shoot. Several prophets apply this title of Nazar to Jesus. So a lot of the prophets that would talk about the Nazareth or Nazar, which is a Nazareth vow, they would then reference that as the Messiah. So some of the prophets use that word, which is then translated as Nazareth. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Jesus, the Nazarene, an olive branch to the Jewish nation and to the world. Let me just kind of give some more context to it. Talking about Matthew 2.23, let me just read it again so we give it to us. It says, and he came and he dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. We don't see that anywhere, okay? So why is he saying that? But they did use that word Nazareth. Netzer, okay? Well, where do we get that word Netzer? Let me just kind of read it. Judges 13.5, okay? So Judges 13.5 says this. That's this word that Matthew's talking about. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nezer, a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the land of the Philistines. So you see the parallel there? There's a parallel happening, okay? The Nazarite or the Nazarite vow is taken by individuals who have voluntarily dedicated themselves to God. They come a branch for God. The vow is a decision, an action, and a desire on the part of the people who desire to yield themselves completely to God. By definition, the Hebrew word Nazir simply means to be separated and consecrated the purposes of God. Okay, so here we go. Fast forward. So what's going on? So Matthew is accounting. He's looking at the Old Testament, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him, "Hey, 
that is the, that is a type of Jesus that happened. That's what I was setting up in the Old Testament. So what Jesus was going to do. Remember the Nazarite to take that vow first had to shave their head. Remember Paul when he had to prove himself to be, I'll take the Nazarite vow, and he shaved his head in the temple when they were falsely accusing him and saying that you love the Gentiles and all of this stuff. So he shaved his head. Well, that's the same thing that happened. They shave their head and then they don't touch their hair, they don't drink wine, don't do a lot of these things. Well, Jesus, I'm sure, you know, lived the Nazarite vow and then some. I mean, he was like holy of holies, right? But that's what Matthew is referring to here. So he's saying that here is Jesus being born and set apart to live a holy and perfect life, to free the people from bondage, to set the captives free, Isaiah 61, to, to bring liberty to those that are oppressed. And that's what Jesus did. And so I don't see it any other way. I mean, you read that, you read the verse, and you're like, okay, what does this mean? Well, that's it. So we find that word in Ezra. Nezer back in that word in, in the Judges 13 5. Um, and that is the only thing that we can associate with Nezer. Huh. Netzer, N E T Z E R, for those of you that are. Yep. Do your own research. You don't take our word for it. Yeah. But that's what we found. If you guys know something else or see something else there, we would love to hear yeah, it. But that's share it with our us. stuff. Absolutely. We would love to hear about that. Yeah. All right. Who ever heard of a king being born in a humble village, growing up in a despised city like Nazareth? No one. He is different and entered the world this way to show us how we ought to live. Yeah, the humility of a king is certainly something to admire and to imitate. Um, you, let's do this. Let's read Philippians 2, sure. 1 through 13 to close this out. But um, while you're looking at that, I'm just going to read something by Rick Warren on humility. He said, humility is the opposite of pride. And as Christians, we are called to live humbly. But what does humble living really mean? Is humility thinking poorly about yourself or is more on focusing on Jesus and what he's done for you? Being humble is an attitude. Meditate on this collection of thoughts about humility and what Jesus is saying to you. It's not about you. It's always about him. So uh, let's just do this. So Philippians 2, it kind of breaks down Jesus here and his humility. And let's just read that and then we'll talk about it a little okay. bit. Okay. Yeah, so, 1 through 13. 1 through 13. So if, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was born in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Yeah, I mean, if, Want a better definition of it? There it is. It's humility, I mean, huh? And, you know, and again, it puts it in perspective. Jesus 
laid the foundation for us. He, he taught us, he showed us what it's like. And, you know, Jesus was notorious of saying, I, I only do what I see my father do. And as my father does, I do. And, as, and I adjust my life to my father. And Jesus was out to elevate others above himself. That's humility. When you can deny yourself, where you can look at others and show value to others and speak life into others, that's humility. Where you, where you don't sit there and brag about yourself. You don't talk about yourself. You don't try to position yourself to be the best. You actually, you actually position yourself to be the least. The Bible says that the first will be last and the last will be first. You're, you're looking for opportunities to be love, to be kind, to be gentle. To, to be still, to, to, to bless and to sacrifice and to do that. And, and what are the promises that we just read there is Jesus was given the greatest honor there is. Yeah. Right. right? Well, the same thing happens to us. There, we will be honored. We will be honored, but more than anything else, when you live a life of humility, man, you have more joy. You have more peace. Um, it's, it, it's no longer ever about you. As, as Rick Warren just said, it's always about God. And, and you just have more fulfillment. You have a greater purpose. You have, I don't know, people like you, you know, I mean, people actually want to be around want you. To be around you. Yeah. you know, Jesus, everywhere he went, they wanted to be around them. They wanted to hear the words, you know, I've, you know, and that, not that saying that we're humble, but I've heard people say that, Hey, they want to be around us because they want to hear what we have to say. Well, why do they want to hear what we have to say? Well, it's because we're speaking to things of God and because we're doing it in a way that brings him glory because it's not about us and it's about him. And all we can think about is what pleases him. You know, we mess up and I talk about my mistakes on the show or we talk about things that we fall short and we're, no one's perfect. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why he was born so that we would have an opportunity to give our life to him, right. to, to have that salvation. But he let he gave us the the the, the framework. He, he set the foundation for us to live. And if we're not reading our Bibles, and if we're not happy and we're not joyful and we're not in that in that time of with God, we're not going to live and act like him. We're not going to see that foundation. We're not going to understand. If we didn't read Philippians 2 and actually meditate that or study, we don't understand really the context of really what Jesus did, the humility that he brought. I'm telling you, it changes your life. Amen. And, uh, you know, so if there's anybody that's listening today and, and you're just saying, you know what? I need to repent of my sins. I need to repent from being prideful. Listen, I, I felt like I was one of the most prideful people of all. And I, you know, I don't know if I told my story on here, but I remember one time I saying, I'm so good. I'm like, God, I remember saying that. And I was like 18, 19 years old. I just got done pitching a, a game. I, I I threw a one hitter in nine innings. I won the game or something. And all the scouts and all the people around. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was incredible. And I can't believe I said that. God took me away from baseball at that time. And he brought me into ministry, but it's kind of funny. But it's 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 I I can't believe the pride that I've had. I've had to unlearn so many bad habits. I've had to go through a lot of trials and tribulations to recognize that it's never been about me. It's always been about God. And so if you're making life about yourself, I encourage you to stop right now. <laughs> I encourage you to just say, you know what, God, forgive me of that. I don't want that. And the next steps I would tell you is just get on your hands and knees and pray and repent of your sins and everything that God brings to your eyes, mind and just start laying it out before the Lord broken before him because you cannot come into the presence of God without broken, without a broken and contrite spirit. 
If you want to have communion with Jesus, you have to be broken before him. He will not allow you to come into a throne room with a haughty pride. This won't happen. But if you've broken for him and you lay it out before him and you confess your sin before him, and I'm telling you, Jesus will hear you in heaven. He will touch your life. He will, he will mold you. He will shape you. He will take ownership of your life. And he will make you the person he desires you to be, which is awesome, which is holy, which is good. And that's what you desire. That's what you're wanting. Then God can do that. But it can't be because your life is about yourself. It has to be because you're broken before him. It has to be that. And so if you're listening to this and you need to repent, just do it now. Just confess. Say, God, I've done it the wrong way. I want to do it your way. And just repent and find yourself before him. Get in your word. Get into, get involved in fellowship. Find your time before him and be still. And if you've never given your life to the Lord, well, geez, today's the day to do it. Now, if you've never actually said, you know what, Jesus come to my life, then today you can do that. And all I ask of you to do is just to humble yourself. He asks you to ask for forgiveness of your sins. He asks that you would acknowledge that he is God and that he died and rose again on the third day. You believe that in your heart. And then he asks that you would just live for him. He asks that you would turn from your wicked ways. He asks that you would stop doing things that are, that are the opposite of what he wants. Listen, he is good. He is favorable. He is for you. His favor is always upon you. Once you give your life to Jesus, he says, I give you the tools and grace to be able to fulfill a life that's unbelievable. You will, he will bless you exceedingly more than you can possibly think or imagine. He will bring you life more than you can possibly think if you just repent of your sin and turn from your wicked ways today. And if you do that, you will be saved. And if you do do that and you do humble yourself and you do pray that prayer and you say, God, forgive me, come into my life. I repent of my sins and I turn from my wicked ways. And I believe that you died and rose again on the third day. The Bible says that all the angels in heaven will have a party for your, in your name, in your honor. It says they all rejoice. And then the Bible also says that don't leave it there. Go and tell somebody, go and share that truth with your friends. The Bible says, if you confess me before man, I too will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I too will deny you before my Father in heaven. Do not be a denier of God. You've done it too long. It's time to confess it. It's time to share it with others. And the people we want to share it with is us. Let us know. We would love to know if you gave your life to the Lord. Even if you repented, we would love to know how God has ministered to you today. Bob, how can Amen. we do that? And if you did that, you are now a child of God. Imagine that. Mm. Imagine that. Man, we would love to hear about it. You can, we have lots of resources on uh, our pod, our podcast, <laughs> on our website, riotpodcast.co.co. Um, just click on the tab, No God. Dive into that. There's lots of lots of information in there. But more importantly, we'd like, just like to hear from you. So reach out to us. You can do it through the website. You can do it through any of our social media uh, platforms. Just check out Riot, The Riot Podcast on Facebook and YouTube and, and Twitter and uh, anywhere you listen to um, podcasts in general. Just make sure that you subscribe, like, and share. It helps us get the word out to more people. So that's that's why we ask you every week to do that. But we would love to hear from you. If you're watching us right now on YouTube, and just put a comment down below. Make sure you click the subscribe button and uh, and just wish us Merry Christmas. Anything, just some, something simple like that. I don't know how it works, but I know it helps us get the podcast out to more people. So I would really appreciate you doing that. And uh, 
Merry Christmas, Pete. Merry yeah, it's and, exciting. Uh, and Christine. I know your your picture's not on there, but you're here. And yeah. uh, thank you for all the hard work you put in today to, to make this podcast happen. And listeners out there, man, we love you. Wish you a very Merry yes. Christmas. And I uh, cannot wait to talk to you next week. Yeah. And man, as we roll into 2023. Crazy. crazy, crazy. Time has flown by for sure. May the Lord bless you guys. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you. Amen. Amen. It was good. I like it. God bless you Take care, guys. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.